Hello and welcome to the C21 podcast. My name's Jonathan Webdale. If you've been following the hundreds of stories we've published on C21 this week, you may have seen our exclusive on Wild Sheep Content, the new LA-based production company set up by former Netflix Global Originals chief Eric Barmack. The exec who spent eight years at the US streamer where he helped create 100 plus productions in more than 25 countries exited in March and unveiled Wild Sheep last month at Content LA, continuing his focus on developing premium entertainment around the world. This week, Wild Sheep revealed a four-project deal with Sao Paulo-based Boutique, which produces the Portuguese-language sci-fi thriller 3% for Netflix. C21 editorial director Ed Waller sat down with Barmack earlier and asked him for a lowdown on the company, plus his thoughts on the changes sweeping US television and the international landscape. Wild Sheep is a content company uh, that I started that's uh, devoted to international uh, series, mostly scripted series, um, focused on, on genres around the world uh, that we think both global streamers and local broadcasters uh, are going to be want to be involved in. Um, those genres uh, look like young adult, uh, true crime, um, sci-fi, fantasy, some interactive content as well. Um, and we're really trying to uh, create shows with great producers uh, from outside of the U.S. Um, that are going to reach the next generation of, of uh, content consumers. So do you want to just outline some of the, the projects? Let's hear, let's hear about the shows that you've got. Yeah, sure. So uh, out of Spain, we're uh, producing a show called Royal Blood uh, with uh, Bamboo Productions. Um, they've done shows like Chicas del Cable, Altamar, Grand Hotel. Um, and what we're doing with them is uh, a scripted series based on the uh, heinous crimes and murders of, uh, that happened within the royal families of Europe. Um, so we think we really have an opportunity to do a genre-breaking show that's a little bit of uh, historical, scripted, pulpy uh, series and a little bit of true crime um, all mixed together. Um, in Brazil, we're doing a show called Swipe Right, which uh, we believe is the first uh, truly interactive show um, out of Latin America. It's being done with Bianca Camparado and Carol Abras, who are great, great Brazilian actresses. Um, and the premise is that uh, the opening scene has uh, a character looking at a dating app and deciding what date she's going to go on for the night. And some of her choices will take her to very, very bad, dark endings. Um, some will lead to, to romance. Um, and then out of India, uh, we're doing a cooking show with Vikas Khanna, who's one of the top chefs in the world. Um, about how fa uh, families can heal uh, by cooking dishes together. So it's sort of a feel-good, um, high-concept uh, story uh, that we're going to be doing with Film Caravan out of Mumbai. What, uh, why do you think the time is right to launch um, Wild Sheep and, and focus on this sort of um, in, uh, international, non-English language, presumably, content? Yeah, I think that if you look at the macro level of what's happening uh, with media companies globally, you see the consolidation of verticals around global streamers um, that are going to be more and more internationally focused as they expand their direct-to-consumer footprints. So um, that you'll have five, six, seven um, 
companies that are looking more and more for international content, um, there's also going to be a pullback of U.S. scripted series on networks in Europe and Latin America and other places. Um, and so I believe that the local broadcasters as well are also going to have to invest in original content um, in order to um, uh, stay relevant. Um, and so the combination of those things means that there should be uh, hopefully lots of activity and interest in content outside of the, the U.S. in a way that, that we haven't seen before. Um, and so, as you know, it takes a while to get uh, scripted shows going and uh, development slate going, and, and I see the future um, two or three years down the line as being much more internationally focused um, with a lot of activity in these markets, and um, we see Wild Sheep as a vehicle um, to be engaged in those markets as the demand for that type of content increases. The, the boom in, in non-English language content, what, 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 what do you think that means for the, sort of the existing studio model in the US? I mean, is it, is it, is it suited to that? I, it isn't necessarily because the studio model in the US has typically meant that everything goes through Hollywood and then exits from Hollywood. So that even if there's an interesting international format, it's bought, recontextualized, and then put back out to the world as a US show. And what we've seen, what I saw at Netflix, uh, or what all of us have seen um, during that time was that there's big, big shows being made uh, with huge global audiences that never need to go through Hollywood to reach those audiences. So you saw uh, shows like Elite out of Spain reach 20 million uh, plus watchers uh, without ever having to go through this process of entering and ho exiting Hollywood. And what I think it means on a... Uh, uh, macro level is that there's going to be more and more global hits created um, that don't need big U.S. audiences to support those hits. And the impact of that on the already rather fragile studio model, if, if all the action is happening over there without having to go through the Hollywood model, do you think that's, what, what impact will that have on the actual existence of the studios? Well, I think the studios will be fine. They have lots of competitive advantages, so I don't, I don't anticipate them going away. But what I think will happen is that um, the value of content that can reach global audiences without Hollywood will increase. Um, and that perhaps uh, there's just a lot of English language content right now um, that's quite expensive to make, and maybe uh, the markets will equalize. So if if it's all about getting um, shows and content to scale, um, and you can do shows that reach the same audiences as U.S. shows um, on half the budget, perhaps the demand will shift that way. Um, and ultimately, studios will have to be adaptable to how these um, global consumers are, are what, what shows these global consumers are watching. What about the, as a, a young company that presumably is, um trying to retain rights. What, what's the, the future of, of the idea of little companies retaining rights in this future landscape where everything's global, everything's vertically integrated, uh, and uh, you know, rights are owned by the platforms in perpetuity? Yeah, I mean, the future of, of rights holding um, as an independent production company is challenging. 
Um, and I think, I say this, having just started a new company, I think there's going to be a process of consolidation, especially internationally, to get to scale where you're investing in development and IP um, uh, that needs to happen um, on a, a pretty big level. Um, and ultimately, um, ultimately, though, the, the people that make good shows that are differentiated, that draw huge audiences are going to have uh, more leverage. So that really the game ultimately is, can you do big shows? And, and who do you need to partner with to get those shows uh, developed and made? The scramble for talent, and I don't mean on, just on-screen talent, but show-running talent and writing talent and things like that. There seems to be a bit of a scramble for that and, and some serious money is being paid out. What do you think the, I mean, if your business model is producing shows that can, could go on, uh, those platforms, if the platforms are ring-fencing talent uh -huh. and bringing production in-house, uh -huh. how does that impact your business model? I, well, they can't do it for everyone. I mean, it's a pretty expensive game to play uh, to, to put all talent on, on overall deals. And it um, denies the reality that there's good ideas, good novels, good podcasts, et cetera, coming from everywhere in the world. And that it would probably be unhealthy for any one platform, I'm guessing, to just be dependent on in-house production. You'd lose a diversity of voices, a diversity of opportunities, and it's, it's impossible on a global basis to have all talent covered, right? But the goal of an independent producer needs to be relevance, and that is achieved if you have stories that are so compelling and talent that's so compelling and packages that are put together um, in a way such that it's making it easier for the platforms. If it isn't easier, then the platforms do have an argument to just do it on their own. Um, but having been on the other side as an executive at Netflix, I will say that it was hugely comforting when producers came to us with good writers, good actors, good IP all put together. And there wasn't a resistance to working with independent producers who did that. In terms of the, um the, the, the initial slate you've announced, we've got India, we've got Brazil, and I think Spain. Uh, where else do you think is going to be a hotspot for uh, emerging talent, emerging content that you're perhaps trying to get a focus on ahead of the, ahead of the curve? Yeah, I mean, we have a slate of, I'd say, eight shows now over the first month, and uh, they're pretty evenly divided between India and parts of Europe and parts of Latin America. I think in particular, uh, Spanish language content is exploding. Um, so there's gonna be opportunities to do really interesting things in Mexico and Spain, uh, in Colombia. Um, I think that um, markets like Turkey uh, is an, Turkey's an interesting market in the sense that that content uh, has traveled to the Middle East and to Germany and other parts of the world. Uh, so that's an interesting place to explore. Um, Brazil, super interesting, thriving. Uh, it's a thriving media market that's growing that a lot of different uh, global platforms are gonna wanna be in. Um, I would say a, a little bit more uh, cautious um, in, in Western Europe unless you're really coming in with a strong point of view because there's a lot of established uh, producers there already. And how are the, uh, the, the traditional broadcasters that you're um, no doubt in talks with, how are they reacting to this sort of 
the globalization of parts of the business, given that they're perhaps just local, local broadcasters? Well, they're engaged, and you know, in the reality, I had breakfast with a German broadcaster yesterday, um, and you know, the feedback is that for us to really be great at what we're doing, we have to be more aware of what's going to be local content, and then how do we participate in um, global productions, um, uh, knowing that there's going to be more and more entrance on the global streaming side of things. Um, and so I think what's happening is those broadcasters are becoming much savvier uh, in a way and much more aware of both their local strategies and their global non-US strategies um, as part of their, their jobs. Um, and it's gonna be, I think, really interesting to talk to them about how do you partner up. I think all of them are trying to ask, get the question answered of how do we um, participate in productions that have this kind of global scale to it, and it may not be just in their home uh, territory or home country. Um, um, and then how do we how do we satisfy local audiences? We've heard about Hulu's plans to go global. We've obviously got Disney Plus and Apple and everyone getting into the scene. How how do you, how do you see the SVOD market evolving over the next twelve months? I don't know over the next 12 months, I would say over the next three years, um, that, uh, that you're going to have these platforms that are going to be attempting to get international audiences, right? So Netflix is, it has done it. Amazon has been um, um, increasing its, its investment in non-US uh, content already. Um, and then the other players, I think they will all have different strategies over time, um, but eventually it's all gonna drive to this idea that in order to be um, a global player, you're gonna have, have a mix of sort of US uh, content that's kind of blockbustery in nature and local content. And I don't see that um, changing uh, for any of the streamers, um, I think it's it's a, just a question of timing of when they make these investments and how they make these investments. And I'm sure there'll be lots of different strategies um, as to what that looks like and um, lots of moving targets. Um, but you know, from the production side of things, I, I see this opportunity that yeah, you're going to have at least three or four more buyers that are going to want to be in these markets. Do you think there's going to be a little bit of a sort of inflation because the, the, as they compete with each other to get market share, they're going to be pumping more and more money uh, into those original productions, which are largely borrowed money. Um, do you think that will, will destabilize that, that, that market to some degree? Uh, I can't speak to the financial structures, but I would say that in some of these markets, they're going to have growing pains because maybe there's only five, six, seven established producers who've really done television at scale, or uh, there'll be a desire to have kind of premium television, which I'd put in quotes, premium TV, um, and that you'd have to go find filmmakers and all of that, um, that that can do these things. So I think there'll be a rush to figure out how to um, compete in markets where there's more constraints on talent. And that's also an opportunity, right? Because uh, uh, companies that understand how to mix and match writers' rooms or how to um, uh, take a format from one place and put it some other place or how to um, uh, train uh, younger writers 
all of those things are going to be competitive advantages, both for the platforms, but also for production companies that can do that well. And just, I don't know if Unscripted's in your sort of remit at the moment, but I'm interested in the, the impact that the fact that a lot of these festivals have moved into Unscripted in a very big way um, uh, and how that will change that sector in the same way that they change the drama sector. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the shows that we announced is uh, in unscripted format with, with Vic Askana in, in India. Um, I, I think that there's going to be an opportunity to ask the question, how do you do unscripted on SVOD in a way that's differentiated from live TV? So perhaps it might be more difficult to do a singing competition on SVOD, um, although I'm sure people will try it, um, and more interesting to do stuff with pedigreed filmmakers or football stars or um, around true crime where there's really great podcasts that kind of have this um, established pedigree feel to it and uh, true storytelling. Um, and I think that part of the business uh, the premium unscripted site outside of the U.S. is going to uh, grow pretty explosively. And the, the, as, as the SVODs move further into formatted shows that they make local versions of around the world, is that something you're going to hopefully participate in? Maybe. I mean, I think there's a more interesting opportunity. Uh, here's the challenge with uh, the format business, which is that um, in a world where things can go truly global, people are going to look at the original series as the best one and say, why, why do we need multiple versions of the same show with the same script? Um, but I do think there's going to be an opportunity um, to take shows from one place and recontextualize it. Uh, so like Club de Cuervos, which was the first show that we did at Netflix, like, is there a, a different way of telling that story in India with, um, with a different social um, construct? That could be interesting. Or you could have a crime series format um, where the format is relatively established, but the crimes that you're looking into are quite local. That would make sense to me. Um, but I, I, I'm um, not as convinced that something that's just taking the same scripts and putting them into a different market will be effective in a world where everybody can see everything. Eric Barmack from Wild Sheep Content, talking to C21's Ed Waller. That's all we have time for in this episode, but there'll be more from us next week. In the meantime, stay up to date with all the latest international TV industry news by following C21 online, on mobile, and on Twitter. Thanks for listening.